0: Welcome to the Post-Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're gonna build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-NARC life. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining me again this beautiful October day. It's October 2022, and it is finally starting to cool down here in Houston, which is such a relief. Finally, we have the most amazing winters they're very mild you can you know go around the city enjoy lots of things there's no snow it's so fun there's evergreen trees everywhere you can play in the park you can do, do lots of things and there are some days that it gets really really cold there was the freeze in February of 2021 that was really intense. But other than that, it's a really mild winter, but boy, do we pay for it with the summers. The summers here in Houston are brutal, but that's okay. I grew up in Louisiana, so it's nothing too crazy for me, but I did live in Utah for 12 years, which was, uh, yeah, it definitely changed. My uh, adaptation to the climate uh, moving back to Houston was a little bit of of a shock to the system. So, yeah, so we are here in Houston. It's gorgeous. It's fall finally. In today's episode, I really want to give you some key mindset changes that have been huge for my clients. So, when we work together, we dismantle all of the belief systems that you developed in order to survive the emotional abuse that you had to endure. These old belief systems are not your fault. I mean, they're honestly believed by a lot of people. And they are the default that show up when you're in survival mode. And when you are surviving emotional abuse, your body is triggered. You get into fight or flight. And especially those of us who have dealt with narcissists, who've been raised by narcissists, right? We are children at the time we were learning how to survive. And so even intellectually, we did not have the capacity to see past our own, our own lives, our, our, our whatever was in front of us. These belief systems show up because it's drawing from The very little that you have. And as a result, they become habits and they affect your life. They affect your choices. They affect your interpersonal relationships. They create patterns for you. And so these are the things that we do when we work together. We dismantle all of those things so that you start making better decisions. So you start doing things you actually want to do. You start growing the things you want to grow. You start creating the things you want to create and you start living the life you want to live. It's it's a beautiful process and it takes a little bit of time. It takes plenty of work. But if you're willing to do it, if you're willing to show up, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to to incorporate all of the things that you're learning and the mindset and the action that you take from the mindset, it's it changes everything. And it really, it develops you into an entirely new person. I have clients to this day who text me or email me, you know, several months, even years after we've worked together. And they're just like, this is amazing. I'm so grateful for the life that I have. You've changed everything for me. This is the best money I ever spent. You know, all the things. <laughs> My clients are the best. I love them. <laughs> so let's dive in. There are three well, there's a lot of mindset changes, but today we're going to talk about the top three ones that my clients use that are just, they just become these ahas for them that were such game changers for them. So let's dive in. The first one we're going to talk about is let them be wrong about you. Yes. I love, love, love this mindset shift. It is my favorite. It was so freeing. It was something that I didn't know was a possibility for so many years. Because one of the big holds that a narcissist can have on you is their ability to taunt you with inaccurate beliefs about you as a person, about your character. In other words, what they're going to do is they're going to rely on your need to feel like everyone around you believes Correct things about you, right? That's how we operate in normal life. We just, we want people to believe correct and good things about us. It helps us get jobs. It helps us have healthy interpersonal relationships. It helps us keep custody of our children, right? This is an important understanding that people need to have about you in society. And when that is gone wrong, it's very threatening to the system because you you don't want people to think you're a liar. You don't want people to think you did something wrong or to think you're a bad person or that you might hate other people, right? That we don't want that. And the narcissist relies on that want. So when you're dealing with normal people who safely relate to each other, having a conversation about possible misconceptions that can happen can be relatively drama-free. You can tell a person, oh, okay, I see why you might think that about me. Here's what actually happened. And no, that's actually not the type of person I am. And most of the time when you have that conversation, both of you can walk away believing similar things, right? They believe this thing about you that you believe about you. And it's and it's great. With a narcissist, however, they are not interested in believing the truth about you. They want to believe whatever it is about you that hurts you, that agitates you the most so that you maintain engagement with them they get control. They get to feel like attention is on them. They get to feel powerful. And especially as you fight and defend yourself and try to prove them wrong, this is very giving to them because they're not interested in being proved wrong. They're not interested in the facts. They're interested in feeling better. That is the number one thing that drives a narcissist is, what do I got to do? Who do I got to control? Who do I got to manipulate so that I can feel better? This is why they're accusatory. I have worked with so many clients who have had people constantly accusing them of things. It's it's maddening and they're just caught up in this accusatory system where they're constantly having to defend themselves they're constantly having to prove themselves that they never did the thing. And the narcissist just moves on to the next thing they're going to accuse you about because they're not interested in whether or not you actually didn't cheat on them. They just want to engage you. They just want you to feel agitated and in fight or flight because you're a lot easier to manipulate when you're in that state of mind. This is also why they try to badmouth you to others. They're trying to control the narrative about you. Because they know that it makes you feel powerless. It makes you feel stuck in this battle of trying to get justice, trying to prove to everybody that the narcissist is wrong. It keeps you focused on them, which takes your focus away from the things you actually care about, the things you actually want to accomplish in this life. Because you believe that their control of the narrative controls your life, and it's just not true. So the biggest freedom is to adopt this mindset. Let them be wrong about you. Yes, they're going to believe terrible things about you. They're going to say terrible things about you. And that's okay. If your mother-in-law thinks you're a bad mother to her grandkids, okay. All right. Let Cheryl believe whatever she wants about you. And listen, I know this can be very difficult when you're first starting out because she has trained you likely for many years to care about what she thinks. Maybe she bad mouths you to the rest of the family and at family functions, people whisper about you or believe inaccurate things. I've seen this over and over again because narcissist moms, bless their hearts, <laughs> they definitely start the rumor mill and the siblings in the family will align themselves with loyalty with the mom, right? So what they're going to do is even if it's not true, even if they know it's not true, they are in fight or flight and they feel like they have to maintain loyalty with mom. And so they're going to be in that like common enemy intimacy <laughs> that she provides when she's talking bad about you, right? And then if they believe her, right, that means that they have a stronger bond. But if they stand up for you, then they're, they're going to be in danger of being ousted just like you have been, right? They don't want to be in that position anymore. And it's it's very hard for families in this dynamic to do the right thing, you know, cause there's just, everyone is in fight or flight. Everyone is scared of the consequences. And when you are the black sheep of the family, when you've been, when it's been decided that that you're the one that's the problem child, right? It, it can be very isolating. It can, it could feel like everyone's against you. It can feel like you have no control over the situation. It's very, very triggering. And then people who are supposed to love you, who's supposed to have your back don't show up for you because they're in their own fight or flight and they're in their own dynamic with mom Anyway, it's a, it's a whole mess. And in your mind, it's like, okay, maybe she even goes so far as to spread something so bad that you know these people start uninviting you from family events and then your kids suffer because they can't see their cousins, can't see their grandparents. They feel isolated. They feel rejected. And they don't even understand what's going on. And it's just, it's a whole mess, right? All because of false information. And if you could just explain yourself, right? If you could just write this long, thorough email, maybe she'll change her mind and everything will be okay again. But listen, I've got bad news. Mother-in-laws like that look for reasons to gossip about you. They're not interested in the truth about you. They're not interested in being set straight. They want the drama. They want the control they want to feel like they're contributing meaningfully. They want to feel needed. Right? All of this drama meets so many needs for them. And when they have to look at the truth and accept the truth, it gets boring. It gets they they don't get their needs met. And it is unfortunate, you know, when the when the dice rolls and and you're the one that all of this falls on, especially if you've been one that has stood up for yourself on at least one or two occasions, right? You're immediately labeled the black sheep. And all of that negative energy goes towards you. And it's just, it's this injustice. It's like, you didn't deserve this because of course you didn't, but it's not about the justice. It's not about what's true. It's about getting mom's needs met. And this is what it looks like right now. And you can't control it. You can't explain it away. You can't make mom change her mind and make her feel a different way so that you come back into good graces unless you do everything she wants, you know, and and you submit yourself in this terribly, self-abusive way or erase yourself in some way you know maybe it does work right but then at what cost to you right it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> having narcissist moms and mother-in-laws they're they're a whole different beast. Um, I also have another experience I, I, I wrote about this in a recent post on my Instagram feed uh, back when I was in high school, I was in a toxic relationship, and one of the holds that he had on me was his refusal to agree or accept the tenets of my faith. And he would argue with me and demand proof, and it was all this, it was just all very high drama. It kept me from a lot of sleep during those months. And if I could go back to my little 17 year old self, bless her heart, I would tell her a lot of things. But I would try to help her see that it's actually okay if he's wrong about me. It's actually okay if he believes this false thing about my religion and that I don't have to prove him wrong. I don't have to debate him on this. He can just decide that he thinks that and it's totally okay. I would tell her that his attempts at taking me from my faith had nothing to do with the provability of my faith or any of that then it had everything to do with his unmet emotional needs being played out in our relationship. And of course, I was also playing out all of my unmet emotional needs and drama out on him too. We were both raised by, you know, narcissist parents and, it, you know, it did that's just, that's just how it worked. And I say this, you know, not with any bitterness or anything about that relationship uh, at all. Uh, that was a really, really long time ago and we were children. so. And this is not to, you know, bash anybody, but I I would show my 17-year-old self that, you know, this is what it looks like to just let go. This is what it feels like to just let go and let him think and believe whatever it is that he wants, and to not let it have any bearing on what I think of myself, what I think of my faith. Because there really are no real consequences to that, at least in that particular situation. For example, if you're in like a high conflict divorce where there are consequences in the balance based on what certain individuals think about you or, or how they are manipulated by the narcissist, I get that can be a little bit different, right? There's this fear that the narcissist X will make the judge see all of these falsehoods and all of these things that aren't true about you, and then the judge will will rule Unfavorably, you know, take your kids away, or have him have full custody, or whatever it is. And yes, that is a possibility. So I want to acknowledge that that fear is real. But the clients I work with that are in this situation, this is what we do: we show up with the best evidence that we can. We we look at and find the best attorneys we possibly can. I've got really great recommendations if you need a a divorce attorney, and I've got you know a lot of people who know a lot of good divorce attorneys because you'd be surprised. Actually, we see this all the time. Divorce attorneys see this all the time. There is a narcissist, hostile ex who's trying to manipulate the judge, who's trying to manipulate the system, who thinks he's above the law. And judges and attorneys are usually pretty good about seeing that. And so the vast majority of the time, you're probably not in danger of losing everything, but you never know. Sometimes it can get really clever. And so you, you present and have the best evidence that you can. You get the best attorney that you can. You present the best case that you can present and then you let the judge decide. And after that, it's it's out of your hands. And I'm not saying don't fight for anything. That's not what I'm saying. For sure, fight as hard as you can, as as hard as is comfortable for you. But I am saying that you can let go of trying to control all of the outcomes when you're dealing with an ARC, because that's where they get their power. They believe that by controlling things in your life, they are going to make you feel certain things. And yes, if they do win custody, right, that's going to be really really hard no doubt about it maybe you appeal you do what you got to do or maybe you get you know half custody and you have to deal with the fact that your kids go to you know a, a whole week with your ex and it's it's just really really hard and I have clients who are in that situation and they constantly have to deal with you know basically emotionally detoxing the kids every single week but it's this is life you know life is full of things that are not fair things that happen. That are outside of our control. We've talked about this before in the podcast. Sometimes I like to think of outcomes like this, like weather events, you know, like hurricanes or tornadoes. There's really no control that we have over those. There's only what we do after it blows through. And again, I'm not saying don't fight for what you care about. Absolutely do the very best you can, but it's letting go so that you can relax, so that your body isn't constantly triggered, so that you're not constantly in fight or flight, so you can think clearly, you can be creative. You can trust yourself. You can have trust in yourself that you are going to do amazing things, that you're going to create amazing things, that no matter what outcome it is, right, he or she, whatever the ex is, cannot control how you think and how you feel. That's what I'm most concerned about. And if you can truly learn how to let go in this way, you will be so much less able to be manipulated and you're going to feel so much more peace and so much more freedom. So I highly recommend this particular mindset shift. And you know the fear that you'll lose all those precious things to you, of course, it's real. I validate that. But it's based on this false idea that you have control if you could just convince them, if you could just say the right thing, if you could just communicate better, things would be better. But that's a losing game with a narcissist. And the sooner you can let go and let them be wrong about you, the freer you will become. And all of my clients who experience the shift feel so much lighter and so much more empowered. It changes their lives and it gives them a new freedom they never experienced. And so I hope the same for you. And if you need support and if you want, if you need help navigating kind of the minefield of all of this with your narcissist, you know that I've got your back. Just let me know, book a call, I'll take care of you. You got this. Okay. So, number two, the second mindset shift that I would love it if you could adopt uh, today would be my emotions about the narcissist belong to me. I'm going to say that again. My emotions about the narc in my life belong to me. This mindset shift is about de-enmeshing the emotional entanglement that the narcissist has roped you into. You've been conditioned over many years and lots of incidents of abuse to predict and feel ahead of time what they will be thinking and feeling. And this is just how we're built. We are intelligent creatures wired for survival. This is a survival skill that we all come to the earth with. It's amazing. It's actually really awesome. And it makes it so that we can build these societies and keep ourselves safe from dangerous things. And so, of course, this is what's happening in your body. And so the invitation then is to start recognizing when your emotions are actually yours and when they're based on someone else. And this awareness takes time, simply because when you're triggered, it is not easy to remember to be aware of this. Believe me, when you're triggered, your brain doesn't have easy access to new concepts, new neural pathways that you've just created. So it, it does take a little bit of time to develop this this mindset shift uh, when you're getting triggered. But I promise you, as you keep practicing, you eventually learn how to do this. Like all of my clients who have applied themselves to this process over and over again eventually learn this skill. So for example, let's go back to narcissist mom. It's been a lifetime of you watching her emotional state, how it creates chaos for you. And you have learned to believe that you can control that response by predicting it ahead of time and by telling her the thing or doing the thing to prevent her from having that big emotion that creates a lot of chaos for you. And I've, I've talked about this in a previous episode about how I had multiple clients in my DMs the other week telling me about how they learned to dim their light, diminish their accomplishments, keep their celebrations to themselves because they predicted that their mom would get sad or feel bad about themselves. And so instinctively, they immediately go to the action. Don't tell mom. Or if you do tell mom, don't make it a big deal. That's That's the action step, right? But if you take a step back, Let's look at what the emotion is when you see mom feeling bad about this great thing in your life, when your brain goes to predict in the future, okay, if I say this, mom's going to think and feel this. This is unacceptable, right? What are the thoughts that are happening in your mind when you see this possibility? What are you feeling when you imagine your your mom responding as she typically does? to things like this, right? These emotions are guilt, shame, maybe a a version of compassion that's really painful. And those are powerful emotions that we do not want to feel. It sucks. It's hard to watch when someone we love suffers. And add to that the fight or flight chaos that comes with it because of all the abuse you've had to endure. It's not fun to say the least. And we think that by diminishing ourselves, taking that action to diminish ourselves, it's going to make them feel better but really this isn't about mom. You're actually not helping her because she's never, or at least she's not in that moment ever going to be concerned about processing her grief or her insecurities or managing this part about her. So this is actually really about yourself. Okay. And again, not that you should be taking ownership of her dealing with her grief. Okay. So her grief belongs to her and yours belongs to you. You have to separate your feelings instead of placating mom and diminishing yourself to avoid that emotion in your body, your job is to just process the emotion that's happening in your body instead of taking the action that you think will make it go away. So what that looks like is you notice when the chaos happens, you notice the guilt, you notice the sadness in your body, and then you allow it to be there. You breathe with it. You notice the thoughts running in your mind. You notice the urges, the ones that start to surface that make you want to take those actions to make her feel better, that make you want to placate her, it's right? That's it's an urge that occurs in your body that's trying to get you to take action. And listen, I'm not saying, you know, rub things in her face or whatever, but what if you could live your life freely and allow her to be sad if she gets sad about you living your life normally, right? Obviously again, we're not rubbing it in her face, we're not, you know, making crazy huge spectacles necessarily. We're just like living normal life, celebrating when wonderful things are happening or enjoying when things go well in our lives. That that's a normal way to to live. And if you could be free to do that and allow her to be sad at the same time, what would that be like for you? In this situation, you know, she's she's not showing up as the emotional adult. But that doesn't mean that you should be showing up as the emotional adult for her. Maybe you had to do that as a child. Maybe you were conditioned to do that as a child, but not anymore. That's the invitation is that you release yourself from that responsibility to show up as the emotional adult for her and show up as the emotional adult for yourself. And again, you can even have compassion on her. We talked about this in another episode. You can have that compassion on her. Understand that what she suffered has been really hard. You can have that empathy for her, but let it stop there. Have the empathy and let it stop. Especially while you're learning how to manage yourself, because this is this is so important. If if we never learn how to become the emotional adults for ourselves, there's a risk that we end up perpetuating the cycle. It doesn't always happen, but if we can be intentional about this, then there's a much bigger chance that you'll be able to stop this from happening with your children. And that's that's the work. That's that's what we do. This work changes generations it absolutely does. And it's so worth it. It's worth doing all of this work because the posterity that comes after you is not going to have to deal with what you deal with, right? You can be the last person. You can be the last person in your line that tolerates any of this, right? That's what drives me to do the work. That's what keeps me going. Is it easy? No. Sometimes I feel like even in my own work, it's like it's an onion. I'm still peeling back new layers of work to do, it's crazy, but it's worth it because I have three beautiful children and I, I hope that my work, maybe it won't solve everything for them. Maybe it won't prevent, you know, every instance of emotional abuse they, they might encounter. Right. I mean, I'm going to do my very best to make sure they never have emotional abuse from me, but you know, sometimes I might forget, sometimes I might yell, sometimes I might make a mistake. And, and that, might happen, I might be triggered on a level that I haven't done the work to to manage. And that might come out, you know, and and I know that if I at least do this work and prevent as much as I can, and if I give them the tools to manage their emotions for when I inevitably might mess up, that will give them so much the advantage. It's really going to help make sure that they can handle it when things go wrong. They can handle it when they're in the time of life when they start dating and they can see the patterns and they can see, Oh, I can see red flags there. We're going to, we're going to turn around. You know, that, that is something that absolutely was not the case in my family and it just has continued for generations. Like just as far back as I can see that narcissism has been present and it could be even further back. I don't know all of my family members past like my third or fourth great grandmother and who knows when it started and who knows how long it's been going, but at least for me, it stops with me. At the very most that I can, it's going to stop with me. All right. Finally, I mean, this is not the last mindset shift ever. There's plenty of them, but this is the last one we're going to talk about today. Number three is having radical compassion on yourself. And this one's a big one. It usually takes my clients a long time to develop this one that self compassion. It's not easy to retrain your brain from years of self-criticism, self-hatred, self-judgment. And to be honest, this is one that is still a work in progress for me, but it really is a game changer. Radical self-compassion, radical understanding, and allowance for every mistake you've ever made, for every time you didn't live up to the standard. Because the narcissist standard is usually impossible. The goalposts move. And sometimes no matter what you do, and especially when you do the wrong thing, but even when you might seem or feel like you're doing the right thing, but of course it's the standard has moved, you get the emotional abuse. It rains down on you and it is very, very painful and you feel powerless. You feel out of control and you feel so much despair. I had a client a few weeks ago tell me that her mother had sent her these angry, furious texts. I mean, just a barrage of texts and I think even an email maybe phone calls. I, I, she was just ass- assaulting her daughter, just constant beration, telling her how awful she was, telling her how she ruined everything, telling her how selfish she was. I mean, it was unrelenting. And she did this for a long time. And finally, my client just had to turn her phone off all because, and this, and this is all because she had planned a vacation on a day that didn't work for her mother, who was not even going on this vacation. Y'all, that is emotional abuse. hundred percent. It sent my client sobbing into the closet, heavy with stress and chaos in her body. She's an adult. This is not okay. Adults doing this to other adults, especially ones that are supposed to love them and be there for them. No, thank you. Unsubscribe from all of this, okay? No, not okay. And as children, what did we do to try to prevent that barrage of emotional abuse from happening over and over? We beat ourselves up. We did the abuse to ourselves ahead of time. And even though it hurt, it was at least something that we could predict and control. This is a habit that is deeply ingrained in the vast majority of my clients. And if it is deeply ingrained in you, I invite you to try on radical self compassion for a while, see how it feels. And then if people try to punish you, you set the boundary. You don't have to tolerate one nasty text whatever that boundary looks like for you. Maybe you don't respond. Maybe you turn off your phone. Maybe you block them. Maybe you send a text letting them know, hey, I'm not going to be tolerating this. There's no wrong way. You can experiment with this and decide what feels best. And of course, if you need support figuring this out, this is what I do. This is how I help people. And of course, in lots of other ways too. But that that emotional self-compassion that you have for yourself Yourself is going to undo this pattern of beating yourself up, abusing yourself ahead of time so that you can prevent someone else's abuse that you can't control. It's really just about trying to control. And we don't need to be in control. We just need to be with ourselves. We just need to feel the emotions that we feel. We just need to have compassion on ourselves. What, what, What would it feel like to go about life and have thoughts in your mind like, of course I made that choice. I was feeling this, this, and this. It makes perfect sense. Or of course that's what happened. You know, I I didn't know better at the time. I know better now, but I was just doing the best I could at that time, right? What if you had that compassion for yourself at every turn, at every decision that you made, at every choice you made? Now, does this, does this give you carte blanche to be a jerk and do terrible things to other people? Of course not. But if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you are the type of person who really is trying her or his best to do right by people, to do their best in life. And so you can trust yourself that you are doing your best, that you are good enough, that you can have safely have these self-compassion for yourself. And one day get to the point where it doesn't even occur to you to beat yourself up. It doesn't even occur to you to punish yourself ahead of time. What if that were your reality? How would that feel? Y'all, I'm not there yet. This 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 past week or two weeks, I've myself been in a weird self punishy funk. It's been really weird, and I've just reached a new level in my life and making you know big scary decisions on a, a whole new level that I've never made before. So of course, this is what's happening, and it makes perfect sense. And the past two weeks have have been who a lot of big, heavy emotion, a lot of my brain sort of, sort of trying to make sense of decisions I've made or things that haven't gone quite right. And really trying to not combat myself, not trying to fight with myself. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to just work with myself, right? Like if I'm having these self-punishing thoughts, instead of going all the way and punishing myself, I notice them, I see them. And sometimes it gets through. And sometimes I feel the terrible feelings. And when that happens, again, I have tons of compassion on myself and I say, yep, I'm just, I'm going to feel this now. And I just, some, some days I have sobbed out loud, you know, to my coach, <laughs> you know, giving her my sad story, you know, telling her all the things that are coming to my mind, allowing that part of myself that wants to self-punish to kind of be free for a minute because it's can be very uncomfortable to have that conflict, you know, and then just having compassion on myself in that moment you know, not beating myself up for beating myself up. And it's really about just being with myself, witnessing myself, loving myself through this new level that I haven't quite mastered yet, but I know that I will. I can trust that I will if I just am with myself, if I just allow the emotions in my body. And that is not fun, y'all. It doesn't feel great. feels terrible. But if I do process it through I can relax. I can feel that release. I can feel like I can move forward. And that's that really has been a game changer for me because it used to just be either fighting with myself or full on beating myself up and you know spiraling out of control into like a depression or even like a rage episode, right? That's that's where I'm coming from. But we're we've really we've really gotten much much better, right? And so this is just that new level. And I've seen my clients approach these new levels as well, and it's not a problem. And there might be even more levels ahead uh, down the line. So I'm all in for all of it. I really am. It's certainly not fun, but with these new tools, I just have so much hope. I have so much more compassion for myself. I have the ability to allow myself to feel terrible and not make it mean anything. I can just be. So that's my invitation to you. This is not easy work. I'm so proud of you for being here and for doing this work. You can do this. I believe in you. I know you can. And if you need help, okay, if you've loved these mindset shifts, there are plenty more where those came from. What I do when I work with my clients is we work with what's top of mind. So you bring to the call whatever it is that's the most stressful that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a memory from your past or maybe it's an interaction you have with the narc that day. Whatever that looks like, we we take that that's happening top of mind and we break down all of the mindset that is tied to that experience, all of the thoughts, all of the emotions, where they came from, processing it out, reframing it, you know, practicing with the new mindset. That's what the work looks like. And if you're ready for that work, I'm ready for you. Go to LauraByTheway.com. You can book a call with me. You can also go to Instagram at LauraBytheway. You can DM me there as well. Let's get started on this work. If you're ready. It's ready for you, <laughs> Alrighty, folks. Actually, one more thing before you go. So, I recorded this episode, and then I decided that I was going to open up the last two weeks of October for my annual and sometimes biannual coachathon week. What this means is that I open up my calendar you can book a 45-minute call with me where we literally just coach you on whatever it is that you need to be coached on. So for anyone who's listening who is a former or current client, this is a great opportunity for you to get a bonus call if you want, or you can go ahead and send the link or this episode to a friend of yours who you know is dealing with a narcissist and who needs some coaching. And you can also just, if you're listening to this and you haven't been working with me at all, feel free to just book a call. I want to meet you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. I want to help you process and navigate some narcissist drama in your life. It's going to be really fun. I usually do this uh, once or twice a year. It creates so much fun that lots of people usually book and I'm able to meet a lot of people and it turns into a lot of wonderful things for everyone. So join the coach-a-thon. It's going to be October... The 24th through November the 3rd, uh, excepting on Fridays. We're not going to have any openings on Fridays, but Monday through Thursday, I will have bookings open. You can go to my show notes and get on my email list to get the link, or you can go to my Instagram. There should be stories posted there on how to access the link to book your call. It's going to be really fun. I'm so excited. I hope I get to see you on my calendar. See you soon. Bye. Are you ready to take your post-NARC life from dream to reality? I work with people just like you who've had to survive a lot of narcissist abuse and wanna build things they never thought possible. If you want my help, I offer one-on-one coaching where we deep dive into your specific situation and clear out all the narcissist conditioning in your way so that you can start living the life you want. Feeling peace and setting boundaries, that is just the beginning. Go to laurabytheway.com to apply for your one-on-one coaching spot. See you there.